And we were singing that last song, and all I could think of is, you know, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. Uh, man, what, a, what an honor to be here before you this morning. Welcome to River Oak Church. If this is your first time, we'd love to welcome you. Uh, my name is Kyle Toddy. I'm the director of missions and outreach here at River Oak Church. Um, and, and uh, you know, when Pastor Heath asked me uh, to preach this service, the 20th anniversary service of our church, uh, he looked at me and asked me, and I, I think I just laughed in his face. Uh, and then I said, no, like, no, I'm not, doing, <laughs> I'm not doing that. But apparently he was serious, so here I am uh, before you. So I, I did grow up in this church um, as fact check. I was eight years old, not seven when it began, so I'm older than you might think. Almost nine when it began, so um, yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been really cool to see uh, where God has taken, taken this church and to be a part of, you know, as, as, as a young kid growing up in the church and uh, being a part of, uh, you know, moving, moving the trailer to Oscar Smith or to Hickory High School uh, week in and week out to set up church and to take it all down and take it back. Um, I, you know, I remember going through all of that and I remember being a part of it, but uh, now being uh, on this side of things, I can look back and reflect on, on what an awesome time uh, that was, and, and for, for me to be a part of was just really cool. Uh, this week, I had the uh, extremely awkward experience of, of reliving those memories in the office uh, at church as we combed through thousands of pictures um, to put in the video and to show on the slides. Uh, Google, I don't know if you know this, well, you probably know everything, Google knows everything, but they, their, uh, their photo system, whatever it's called, um, we have thousands of pictures in, in the system and they can organize it by like your face, right? So you can like go in and click on somebody's face and any picture that person shows up in is in that file. It's terribly creepy. So <laughs> mine, there's a picture of like, it's a terrible picture of my face. Like uh, for the first, you can click it and go underneath it. And then, you know, we were scrolling through those pictures and just to look back at like when I was nine years old in middle school, high school, uh, really, really awkward to do in front of a lot of people. Uh, and I realized in that moment how awkward middle school is for, for everyone, to be honest with you, but especially for me. <laughs> there was one picture uh, particularly. It took us a, a while to figure out who was in it. So under my, my little file, there was a picture with, with somebody, like two people. And I was like, no, that's not me. And I clicked on it, and we're all staring at it for like minutes. And my mom came over, and she was like, no, that's you. <sighs> yeah, apparently that's me. It looked like a little girl and, a, and another guy, but it was, it was two guys. Uh, just happened to be me. So... Uh, <laughs> That's been, it's been really cool to be a part of this and, and to be up here before you uh, this morning. It's an honor to bring uh, the word of God to you. Uh, I know I've shared my story a little bit with you guys, just a little bit about my testimony and how I came to faith. Um, but I came to faith when I was 20 years old. So growing up in the church, hearing the gospel preached, uh, hearing the truth as a, as a kid in high school, you know, in middle school, high school, and, and on up. Uh, but it wasn't until I was 20 years old that I came to a, a saving faith in Jesus, uh, because I, I didn't realize when, when I was young that I actually needed saving, if that makes sense, right? I always heard the good news, but the good news wasn't good to me because I didn't need it, right? So I didn't realize my spiritual state before God until uh, I was about 20 years old, and then I, I repented and put my faith uh, in Jesus. The message that you're going to hear this morning, the passage we're going to read out of, hopefully you will see the truth of the gospel, and you will see uh, different responses to, to the gospel, but before we, we read this morning, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you for this time that we can come together 
and we can read your word and we can study it uh, together and we can see what, you, what your truth is uh, and what you have to say to us. We thank you for this time, uh, that you would, you would just be with us uh, in these moments, uh, that you would, you would open our hearts and our minds to hear the truth of the gospel uh, as, as it's shared this morning. So God, go before us, uh, be with us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to continue in the Gospel of Luke this morning. So as, as we kind of, uh, after Heath asked me if I wanted to preach, and I said no, then he said, no, you're going to preach, uh, then we started trying to figure out what was a good passage for the morning um, to just kind of, you know, put a cap on, on 20 years and looking forward to another 20 at River Oak. Um, but the Lord made it really clear that we're going to stick in the book of Luke because the passage that we, we landed on in this series is just so perfect for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can take them out or turn them on and go to Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. We're going to go through uh, verse 30 this morning. So before we start, we're going to see a couple things uh, from this passage this morning. The first thing we're going to see is the message of the gospel. So we're going to see what the gospel actually is, and then we're going to see three different responses to the gospel. Before we start reading, I want to, I want to kind of catch you up. If you haven't been coming uh, to River Oak uh, for more than a week or two, or if you've missed a couple Sundays in the last month or two, Pastor Heath has been going through the book of Luke. Uh, he's preached from the beginning now to, to chapter four. And I wanted to catch you up and just kind of give you some reminders. Chapter one, the very beginning of the book, Luke reminds us why he's writing his gospel in the first place. So he tells us, he's writing to this man named Theophilus, and uh, this, oh, excellent Theophilus, he calls him, which is a sweet title. Is it not? No? I would love to be called, no, no, I wouldn't. That's really weird. But he calls him excellent Theophilus. He says, I'm writing this to you so that you will know what you've believed in. So Theophilus heard the gospel, heard about Jesus, put his faith in him. But now Luke is saying, I'm going to write these things down for you so you have an account of what happened. So that's the beginning of the gospel. You get to chapter three, you have uh, Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan. He comes up out of the water and what happens? Test. What happens? Ah, the Spirit comes down on him, right? So the Spirit comes to fill Jesus. Chapter 4 begins, and you have uh, Jesus being led by the Spirit. He says it's full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. At the end of that account in verse 13 is where we left off last week. Um, a lot of people say, as you read the, the, uh, the Bible, um, that in between verse 13 and verse 14, uh, there could be anywhere from six months' time that has passed. So Jesus had been going around and preaching and teaching and, and performing miracles uh, in between verse 13 and 14 here in the Gospel of Luke. And it says that he comes down to uh, this place, Galilee. So let's start reading in, in verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. There that is again. Luke wants us to know that Jesus is full of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. and began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. So just a, a few more uh, reminders for you. Luke really wants us to know that Jesus is filled with the Spirit. He says it again here soon. I think because Jesus, uh, that, because Luke, uh, who also wrote the book of Acts, is really focused on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to know that Jesus, that God became man, and that the Spirit filled him to empower him to do the work of the ministry. This is the beginning of Jesus's ministry on earth. Uh, this is the very beginning. So the, the, what we're going to read is, is his, first, uh, his first message, if you will, out of the book of Luke. It says that he's going to synagogues all around the district, teaching in their synagogues. So synagogues were a Jewish gathering place. Um, they weren't uh, commissioned by God in the beginning, but they kind of started to pop up 
um, in their exile uh, as a nation, um, as a place where they could gather together as Jewish people and read the book of Moses and read the prophets and have somebody explain them to them. So synagogues were a Jewish meeting place. Jesus was going to all these synagogues and teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And it says he was being praised by all, right? People were seeing the miracles he was doing. People were, were hearing this, the, the message he was speaking, and, and people were to be honest, starting to like this Jesus, right? They were starting to like what he had to say. In verse 16, it says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. That is, Jesus, you know, came home. And as it was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. So in light of uh, what uh, Pastor Heath asks us to do every week and why we do it, I'd like to invite you to stand up with me as we read the word of God this morning. Jesus goes to the synagogue and he stands up and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read. Verse 17, the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat back down. And all the eyes, uh, the eyes of, of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You may be seated. This is what Pastor Heath would call a, a, a mic drop moment, right? So Jesus stands up to read Isaiah and sits back down and says one sentence. He says this, hey guys, this is all about me. Drops the mic, right? He's done. He said we had to say, and it says that, that they, were all, uh, they were all wondering at him, um, I want you to feel the weight of this moment. Feel, feel the weight of what's happening. Uh, for, for those of you in here that are followers of Jesus, you, you know the truth. Feel the weight of what is happening in this moment. Uh, man, when I, when I sit down to, to read this passage, to start studying it, to, to preach this morning, um, and I had, a, I had a time of worship on my own as I read this, this passage. Because Jesus, who John in chapter one of his gospel tells us is the eternal word of God, the eternal word of God stands up, filled with the Spirit, unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, which is the word of God that was inspired by the Spirit, and he begins to read it in the synagogue. How awesome is that? The eternal word of God, reading the word of, the, uh, the word of God and the prophet Isaiah that was written hundreds of, year, of years before, he stands up with authority to read the word of God and to explain it to them. Yeah, what, a, what a beautiful, beautiful passage. The first thing we're going to look at this morning is the message of the gospel. So what is the gospel? Jesus says in verse 18 uh, that he had come to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel, uh, the word gospel means literally just good news. So uh, a king in those days, when he would send out a, a decree that was to proclaim something that was good, they would call it a gospel. Uh, it's, not, it's not unique to Christianity. So he had come to preach good news to the poor to the captive, to the blind, to the oppressed. He had come to preach the good news to them. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 61, which we'll come back to in a little while. But what is this good news he's preaching to the poor? First, who are the poor? Some people think it's, it's a physical poverty. He's come to preach the gospel to those who are physically poor. But we know that's not, that doesn't keep uh, with, with the gospel accounts. He does often go to those who are physically oppressed or poor 
in a, in a, in a, in a state of physical blindness or, uh, or they can't walk, oftentimes he's going to, to perform miracles um, on those people. But the book of Isaiah tells us over and over and over that it's a spiritual state. This poor, this poverty is spiritual. If you, if you turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew's gospel gives us kind of uh, some explanation. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, uh, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the book of Matthew. And it's the Sermon on the Mount, the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this in verse 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we had time to dig into all of these, you would, you would begin to see more and more that he's talking about a spiritual poverty, not a physical poverty. They often go hand in hand because, why? The physically poor, the physically oppressed, often come to the end of themselves and realize there's nothing they have left, right? There's nothing left they can do to, to break free from their bondage. So oftentimes, the, uh, the, the physically poor are fertile soil for the gospel. But what he's saying is, spiritually poor people, I've come to preach the gospel to you. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53. If you don't want to turn there, it'll be up on the screen. Isaiah 53. We're going to read verse 1 through 6. And I want you to feel this as well. He's in the synagogue preaching to Jews who should have known the book of Isaiah like the back of their hand. Right? They would have known the messages about the Messiah that's to come. They would have known the prophecies about him. But how did they miss this? Right? How did they miss chapter 53? We talk about what is the gospel? What is the good news? We're about to read it in Isaiah. Chapter 53, starting in verse 1. It says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. This is looking forward to this Messiah that's going to come. Now, the Jews were not looking for a Messiah that, that, was, not, that was not pretty to look at, right? They were not looking for a Messiah who was going to come and, and be beaten, right? They were looking for a guy who was going to come and reign, rule and reign as king, to set free uh, them from captivity physically. They, they, were, they were in bondage in a different land. Their land had been taken from them. They were looking for a king to come and restore Israel to the place of prominence that it was. In this passage here in Luke, this is Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, but the Jews did not see it because they did not, they did not, uh, they were, they were unclear about who Jesus was supposed to be. Verse 22 says, all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? So here in this verse, you have these Jews who, who, who hear Jesus speak with authority. They, they know he's performing miracles. They know he's at least a prophet. And now he's claiming to be the Messiah. 
And they were wondering at him in amazement, right? The word there is uh, they were looking at him in, in awe, in amazement, wondering about the, the words of grace that were just coming out of his mouth. But then they started to, to, to scratch their heads thinking, this is kind of confusing. This is Joseph's son. Remember, he went back home. He's in Nazareth. So they know Joseph, his father. They know who Jesus was. They saw him grow up as, as a child into an adult. They know his mom, his sisters, his brothers. How could he be the one that's the Messiah? He's from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. How can he be the one we're waiting for? And here we have the first response to the gospel that we're going to see this morning. And that first response is confusion. You know, they, they were confused about how, how could Jesus claim to be the Messiah when he's from the same place we're from? He doesn't look like a king. Now he's talking about the poor and the oppressed. So they, they were really confused about who the Messiah was and who Jesus was. It wasn't matching up. You know, unmet expectations about um, who we think Jesus to be can lead to confusion about the gospel. You know, they missed the point. They missed the point because they were looking for a king. They were looking for someone else other than who Jesus came as, right? You know, I, uh, I'm, the, I'm the director of missions and outreach here, so I have the opportunity to travel to Africa pretty, pretty often, uh, quite a few times a year. Uh, it's a blessing for me to go, and, and we go in, in the Lesotho, Africa, and way up in the mountains where, where there's no electricity, no running water, um, just the middle of nowhere, literally the ends of the earth, we get to go and take the gospel and to share with these people the truth of God's word. And, and a lot of times we find, even way up in the mountains of Lesotho, that a lot of people uh, have an idea of who Jesus is, right? They have some idea of who he is. They've heard some kind of uh, truth about him before. But oftentimes they're very confused about uh, the truth of Jesus, right? Sometimes they look at us and they say, who is Jesus? Is he the guy in the next village over? I've never met him before. I don't know who this Jesus is. Sometimes they look at us and say, oh yeah, I know who Jesus is. He, he was a good teacher or he was a prophet or he was the son of God even. But a lot of times they look at us and say, when we share the gospel with him, they say, wait, he rose from the dead? I've never heard that. There's a lot of confusion in their minds and in their hearts about who Jesus is. Many people in our culture today are confused about who Jesus is. There's possibly people sitting out here this morning who are confused about who Jesus is. You have an idea, you've heard things about him, but there's confusion. Because there's so much, uh, there's so much that is untrue being spoken about him as much as the truth is being spoken about him. Let's keep reading. Uh, Jesus, knowing their hearts in verse 23, knowing, and knowing their minds, he says this to him, verse 23, no doubt you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So what he's saying is, no doubt you guys are going to say this to me. Heal yourself. We heard that you're performing miracles in these other places. We want to see a miracle. We want to see you do that here, Jesus. We're, we're expecting you to be something in our own minds. We want you to fit into that box, right? We, we want to see that done here. Uh, and in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1, um, in verse... 22 and 23. I'll quickly read this for you. It should be up on the screen. It says, Indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. Right? All this confusion is because the Jews, they want to see a sign. They want to see a miracle. All this confusion, even with the Gentiles, because Jesus was not preaching something that sounded wise, right? But Paul says, we preach Christ crucified 
To Jews, a stumbling block, right? To Gentiles, it's foolishness. It's nonsense, right? They have ideas about Jesus or who they think he should be, but it doesn't add up to what they think. Verse 24 of Luke. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them but only Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now Jesus begins to poke at their confusion. If you're confused, guys, I'll clarify it for you. And he begins by telling them a story of their past, a story they don't want to hear about this guy, this, this prophet Elijah, who was sent to a Gentile woman, a Gentile widow. He said there were many widows in Israel in those days, but instead God sent his prophet to a Gentile widow. He continues, And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. None of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Again, when Elisha the prophet came, and the Jews were continually running from God, instead of uh, God sending him to, the, to a leper in Israel. He sent him to a leper outside of Israel, to a Gentile. Naaman was a terrible, terrible man. If you go back and read the account in First and Second Kings, where these stories come from, if you go back and read, you see how wicked he was. But God sent his prophet to him instead of to the Jews. Verse 28, And all the people in the synagogue, here's, here's the turning point, they were filled with rage as they heard these things. They got up, they drove him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built, in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. What just happened? Why did the Jews get so angry now at what Jesus is saying? You know, when he first started speaking, they said all the, gra- the gracious words coming from his lips. Why all of a sudden does it change? Jesus begins to clarify their confusion. It begins to point to the truth. If you don't understand me, all right, listen to this. God didn't send his prophets to Israel. Instead, he took his prophets and sent them to the Gentiles, those who are spiritually poor, spiritually broken, spiritually in bondage. God sent his prophets to them instead. And now you see the turning point in the mind of the Jews. What is Jesus saying about them? He's saying that instead of being self-righteous, instead of feeling like you you're, you're, a, uh, you're, you're a Jew, right? You're, by heritage, God loves you. No, no, no. Jesus says the truth is the gospel, the good news goes to those who realize their emptiness, those who realize that they are broken. So here we see the second response to the gospel, a turning away or a rejection of the gospel. So the Jews here reject Jesus' message. They didn't get mad because Jesus claimed to be a Messiah. Right? They were looking for this Messiah, but that did not make them mad. What made them mad was what Jesus was saying about them. He's saying, you look inside your heart and you realize how wicked you are. God loves the Gentiles as much as he loves you. Right? As he began to say these things, that's when they, that's when they turned on him. They, they, got, they got furious. Now, I have a feeling that there are many, many here in this room uh, who have a box uh, or a mold for Jesus, Right? Many in our culture today have, have a box that they want, they want Jesus to fit into. The Jews had a box for Jesus that they wanted him to fit into. But he didn't fit, and that's why they became angry. He was not what they thought was supposed to come. So I'd imagine there are, there are many people here who have a box that Jesus just won't fit into, 
right? You have this idea of who he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to do in your lives, but he's not doing those things. When you're in a storm, when something, is, something terrible is going on in your life and you're crying out to God and you feel like you don't hear him, do you turn away? Or do you run to him? These Jews had an idea of who he was supposed to be and he didn't fit that idea. I feel like many times in our own lives, uh, believers and unbelievers alike, we have those same uh, battles in our heart that Jesus just doesn't fit the thing that we thought he was supposed to fit into, right? Instead, Jesus is going to change us. He changes our hearts. We can't change who he is. He changes us. If you turn to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, it's going to be on the screen, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22. I want to I read this story for you. Because in this passage, we, we saw what the gospel is, the good news to the poor. We also saw that the first response to the gospel is confusion. But we can't stay, we can't live in confusion, right? Confusion has to be clarified. And when it is clarified, there's only two ways to go. One, you either reject the truth, you reject the gospel. Or two, as we're about to read, you repent and you believe in Jesus. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22. After Jesus is is crucified on the cross and he raises again to life, uh, he gives his final charges to his disciples to go into all nations and preach this message to to make disciples, to baptize believers, and to continue to walk in faith. And then he ascends into heaven, and this is right after that. His disciples begin to preach the gospel. This is the first sermon in the the book of Acts after Jesus has, has gone. And Peter begins to say this in verse 22. It says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and you put him to death. But God, man, I love those words, raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Jump down to verse 36. Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and believe and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And that's what they did. Again, Peter's preaching to a crowd of Jewish people. He preaches the gospel. They realize they had it wrong, right? Peter clarifies their confusion. And instead of turning away, these men and women turn to Jesus. They repent of their sins and they believe in him. They put their faith and trust in him. So that's our third response to the gospel, repenting and believing. If you go back to Jesus's quotation um, in Isaiah chapter 61 from, that, from the Luke passage that we're in, if you go back to that passage and you, and you read what it says, Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, you realize something uh, really important that Jesus left out at the end. So Isaiah 61, Jesus preaches this message from Isaiah, and it says that I've been anointed by the Spirit to go proclaim liberty to the captives, to go preach the gospel to the poor, the goodness to the poor, to break free the chains of those in prison, spiritually speaking, right? And then he says, 
uh, in verse 2 to proclaim the year of uh, the Lord's favor. Well, what he left out in that verse is something very important. And I think the Jews in that synagogue that day might have been scratching their head, thinking, why did he not read that? If he's the Messiah, why would he not finish reading that passage in Isaiah? Because it says, in the day of vengeance for our God. Jesus came, preached this message, but left out part of the scripture. Why do you think he did that? Because Jesus' first coming was to come and proclaim, proclaim good news to the, to the poor. He was coming to proclaim good news to the captive. He stopped reading because he knew the Jews would have read that verse, the day of vengeance for our God, and they would have, they would have pumped their fist in the air and said, amen. The king has come, right? The day of vengeance is coming. Our enemies will be crushed beneath our feet. He will rule and reign as our king. Instead, Jesus says, no, you have it wrong. I've come to proclaim liberty for the captives, the good news for the poor. The truth is, we find out later, that this day of vengeance is going to come. The day of vengeance will come again. But it didn't happen when Jesus came uh, to earth as a man. The Jews missed it because they were looking for signs and wonders. They wanted this Messiah to be something else. A lot of the Gentiles missed it because it was not a good message. right? It's not, it's not wisdom. It makes no sense. That God would come to earth in the flesh and die on the cross for our sins. That makes no sense. But we find later that the day of vengeance will come. He left it out because it hasn't come yet. It's coming. And on that day, we will all be judged based on what we did with Jesus, right? By what we, what we decided about Jesus. Whether we were in confusion and then it was clarified and we, we ran away from God. Or we turned and we repented. The day of vengeance will come, the Bible says, in his second coming. When he, when he returns, uh, the Bible says to, to, uh, to separate the sheep from the goats, right? The day of vengeance will come, but it didn't come when Jesus came the first time. And what's interesting about this passage in Luke, uh, in, uh, in verse 22, I think, when it says that uh, the Jews were marveling or, or wondering in amazement at the words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth. If you go back to Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 6, it's the same story, but at the end of that story, Jesus marvels or he wonders at their unbelief. The same word is being used, Jesus marvels at their unbelief, just the, way that, just the way the Jews marveled at the words coming out of his mouth. The day is coming when we will all be judged based on what we did with Jesus. You know, my, uh, my story, my, my testimony is that I grew up in the church, right? Uh, River Oak, specifically, where the truth was presented on a weekly basis. Where I, I sat in Sunday school. I went to uh, Awana's at the time. I heard the truth of God's word. But it wasn't until I realized that I was spiritually bankrupt, that I was spiritually poor and broken, that any of it made sense to me. So at 20 years old, when I, when I began to read the scriptures for myself, I sat down and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over. And it became clear to me that I was in a spiritual state of death and that only God could raise me to life. So my testimony should serve, hopefully, as an example and hope to you that this is for everyone. This news, this good news to the poor, for those who are willing to humble themselves out of their pride, to get on their knees and repent before God 
and put their faith and trust in Jesus, that it's for everyone, Jew and Gentile. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes as we close. You know, for, for the believer in this place, for the person who has repented of their sins and they've put their faith in Jesus, I hope this serves as a, a message of hope to you. Man, that God came and paid the price that we could not pay, to live the life we could not live, to die the death that we could not die, to pay the penalty that we could not pay. You know, we're deserving of death, but because God loves us, he gave us a free gift in Jesus. That free gift is to be accepted by faith, not to be worked for. So for the believer in this place, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it serves as an exhortation for you as well to go out and to continue to tell people that the day is coming. Repent and believe. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the, to the Gentiles, foolishness. Because we're looking for the wrong things. When Jesus doesn't fit the box we want him to fit in, maybe, maybe we need to turn and, and look into ourselves and think, do we have it wrong? Right? Do we have the message wrong? Does, are we trying to fit him into something that he's not supposed to fit into? If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if God, if God is working in your heart, even now, respond to it. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. This passage that we just read, Jesus came and said, I'm coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year is now. The time is now. Repent and believe. Man, the gospel is beautiful. It doesn't make sense to us because God loved us with, with such a great love that he would pay such a great price. What a beautiful gift. At the end of the service, if, if, God is, if God is working in your heart, if you want to just talk to someone, we have pastors down uh, here at the front who would love nothing more, honestly, love nothing more than to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. If you need time just to come up and pray, you're welcome to. But don't neglect what God is doing in your heart. Respond to it. God, we love you. Again, we thank you for uh, just who you are and all that you do for us. God, and thank you for uh, the good news that we have, uh, the hope that we have in Jesus. We praise you for who you are. God, you, we are not worthy uh, to even be before you. God, but because of that, because you loved us so much, instead you came to us. <laughs> what, what a message. What a truth. I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our minds as we think about these things, as we ponder them. God, knowing that the power of God is different than the wisdom of men. This is not a wise message. I'm not a, I'm not a wise messenger. God, this is the truth of the scriptures. So God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives as we continue to think about these things. God, that you would draw people to repentance and faith in you. We love you. We praise you. We ask all things in Jesus' name. Amen.